0: Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, you'll have ad-free episodes, and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at love, linked in the show notes.
1: You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the skill sets. And you don't have to be perfect. Just, like, do it. Be brave. Raise your hand. Show up. Like, go do something that makes you uncomfortable.
0: I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to
1: We Are LA Tech.
0: the We Are LA Tech podcast, spotlighting tech talent and companies. So excited for our next guest coming at us from Silver Lake. Welcome, Nikki. Hello. Thank you for having me here. Of course. So Nikki, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah. So my name is Nikki and, you know, I just love to build products. I think that's kind of what brings me the most happiness. I actually started my career as a trader on Wall Street. I was an equity derivatives trader and I did that for about three years. And I was like, I don't want to keep, you know, buying low and selling high. I want to have to do something that makes an impact yeah. on the world. And I really bit that entrepreneurial bug. So three years into that, I quit and I started my own company called Lineup. I did that for about a year and a half. Um, and I realized that I my favorite part of being an entrepreneur was actually building the product. Um, and I really leaned into that and found a job as a product manager. So I really enjoyed that. I'm a product manager at ShopStyle, which is essentially like a fashion search engine. So let's say you're looking for like... You know, denim jeans or something, and instead of going to all your favorite stores, you can go to ShopStyle. It pulls a catalog of a ton of places um, on the site. So as a product manager for that, I own the customer experience for web and app, um, which is an amazing you know, intersection of being creative but also executional. And then beyond just ShopStyle, um, I just want to keep that entrepreneurial spirit alive in myself, so I build a lot of apps on the side. Yeah. So I built this app called Squad Goals, which I actually launched last month. I built it with my brother over the last 18 months. And it's just like a really fun app to kind of keep our creativity skills sharp. And that's just something I like to do on the side.
0: What's the difference for you between being a founder and being a product manager? Because so many people feel so conflicted on, do I take a job? Do I be found? Do I build my own thing? Do I do both at the same time? Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think there's, there's pros and cons to both. So what I really liked about being a product manager was I got I had a lot more resources when I was a founder. If I wanted to do user research, if I wanted to do marketing, X Y all these different things, I had to go do it myself and figure it out myself, and that was great. But that took away from kind of what I enjoyed the most, which was building the product. So I think as a founder, you really do have to wear like every single hat possible, and that allowed and then therefore you're spread pretty thin. Um, and if there's if you can identify something that you just love about it, then maybe it's Maybe it's better to, like, take that role in a corporate setting, but I think it's also really important that you find a role that is not just, like, extremely hierarchical or very, like, corporate, but allows you that freedom um, and allows you maybe some free time to do your side projects. So that's kind of the, the balance that I found, and, I, and I'm really enjoying this life of
0: having a full-time job but having time on the side to do others. So the next question I'm going to ask is, I think it's going to seem unusual, but there's a point in me asking. There's a pathway. Okay. How do you define happiness? In terms of career, I guess, professional, yeah, profession. So this is actually an interesting question because
1: I ask my friends this all the time. I say, would you rather be happy or fulfilled? Mm. Because there's a different – actually, I think there's a difference in that, and everyone defines that different ways. To me, like, happiness is a bit transient. Let's say I had an amazing night out with my friends and I, like, had a great time, and the next morning I wake up to, like, a stressful email from work. I'm no longer happy, even though I was happy – you know, 12 hours ago. But like I'm still fulfilled. Like that fulfillment is almost like a base level for me of like something you need to achieve. And then happiness comes and goes like a a little bit like a roller coaster. So I would define happiness as like and fulfillment in the sense that you wake up and you can almost choose what you want to do with your time. That makes me very happy and fulfilled. And like when I have to do something I don't want to do, then that's not like happiness
0: for me. The reason why I asked the question is because I think about this a lot. And it's something that gets thrown around. And since you've had the the really cool experience of both working for a company and being a founder, do you think it's possible? This sounds funny even saying it out loud. Do you yeah. think it's possible for founders to be happy? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the stress level is so ginormous. We usually think leaving that to go work a job is where we'll find peace, which isn't Always the case. So, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that's a like that's a very interesting, you know. I I agree. It's it's very difficult because you talk to a founder and they're stressed 24-7. Things are always going wrong. So it's like, how can you be really happy with that? So I would say a founder is very fulfilled. They're probably not happy. They're very fulfilled that they've created something that is like so that is used by others and like is their own work and they feel a lot of fulfillment from that. But they're probably not happy most of the time. And then maybe someone who works in the corporate world is happy because they get a nice paycheck and they, like, you know, can go take vacations, et cetera, et cetera. But maybe they don't feel fulfilled because they're working for the man. Interesting. So maybe there's a difference there, yeah.
0: Like, when when I've worked different opportunities – I'm, be, I'm purposely being vague because I don't want to talk badly about anyone specific. When I've, like, there was, I was bullied at work. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, that. Yeah. I'm not saying with what company, you can't figure it out. But I was bullied at work when I was not a founder. Yeah. And I ended up having uh, medical issues because of it until I left and then I was all fine. So it's weird because here I was like, okay, the founder stress, too much, gonna go, have this peaceful life. And then I was bullied. Yeah. (laughs) And my body definitely did not like that. And so it's interesting. So I think about it a lot of like, what does it mean? What does success mean to me? What does success mean? What does happiness mean? And I like this term of time rich. Mm
1: -hmm. Like
0: that we have the freedom to choose what we want to do with our time. Yeah. Uh, And then that we have enough money to be provided for exactly because money
1: does al- unlock time for you yeah um so it's not like you can't just say that. Like, oh money doesn't matter because like money helps because you can get childcare and you can get whatever xyz you can take an uber instead of taking a one hour yeah. subway except like money unlocks time for you but the ultimate goal i think is having time and freedom right yeah yeah and
0: it doesn't always unlock time It doesn't always, agreed. It can cause more time sucks as well. It's interesting. Yeah. It's it's just such an interesting thing. So in your particular situation, Mm -hmm. have you found more mental freedom in your job or is it not that easy a question? It's not that straightforward to answer.
1: Yeah. I am really happy with my balance that I have created for myself of like – this job gives me a steady paycheck and it gives me ability to like create something that is for a company that yeah. I that has many many users but then like I I do finish work at 5 and I have like nights and weekends to really just grind on things that make me that like are really fulfilling and meaningful to me. Yeah. Um so I I do I think I'm I'm lucky that I have a great job that gives me mental freedom but I think a lot of corporate America You don't have that and it's not that um, like rainbows and butterflies all the time. So I think for people like that are kind of in that position, I would say if you have that itch to like be a founder, take it. Like, Like quit the job and be a founder. Yeah. Because like you can always go back. And I think now more than ever, it is so respected that you tried something and failed mm. at it and you came and you came back to found like to the corporate world. Yeah. Like I know so many people that have done a company for a year, didn't work out, and they got a job, like many, many job offers because everyone is so impressed that they yeah. took that leap. Um so I'd say if you don't find that mental freedom in your corporate job, perhaps you try your own thing for some time and then come back. Which is so different than how it used to be, right? Yeah. It used to be taboo. Completely. You, it's like, you failed at yeah. that? That sucks. Like, you must be a bad person, you know, yeah. not smart or something. Yeah. And how did you find your job? I found it through connections. Like, essentially, uh, before working at ShopStyle, I worked at Grubhub. Yeah. So my boss's boss at Grubhub w- moved over to ShopStyle, and that's how I got that ShopStyle job. Um, and then I got Grubhub also through alumni connections where, like, the girl who was uh, – the woman who was hiring, she went to my school. Um so those are like both kind of yes, there's a resume portion to it, but it's also like a lot about being in the correct networks.
0: And yeah, and it, uh, that a uh, really annoying phrase that's accurate and also inaccurate in so many ways is that it's all who you know. It's like all your network. But I, I or that stupid phrase like yeah. your network is your net worth. I can't stand that phrase. <laughs> but like, like I'm, a, I think it's also not just who you know. I think it's so much more than that. I think it's our ability to ask, yeah. knowing how to ask with grace, yeah, and proving it. I don't think anyone would have hired you at ShopStyle had you not shown what you're made of at Grubhub. Yeah. Yeah. I think like I had
1: created a good reputation for myself at Grubhub that like my bad boss's boss person knew that like Nikki is a person that we want to bring over because she's very entrepreneurial. She gets it done, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it's a a bit about who you know, but like at the end of the day, if you're not a person of, uh, has strong work ethic and that like delivers, then I think it doesn't matter if you know the correct people.
0: What guidance can you give us on how to show up day to day, especially like I mean, like I shared with you before we started recording, like I'm going through some pretty heavy stuff in my life. What's some kind of mantra or like uh, perspective to show up in a way where you become a recommendable person?
1: Mm -hmm. I think the number one thing is like just, I know this is like really, they say it all the time, but it has a lot of weight is like to be kind. And I I I think I'm very, and be kind to everyone. So like, I think this is like, this is a pro and con of my personality. Um, At work, I'm very, very nice to everyone. And as a result, sometimes like I'm not as direct. And then my manager will say to me like, Nikki, like you need to be more, you need to give more stronger direction and like have, you know, you need to push back on them and just say no. And I'm like, yes, I can. But like they would, they do it in a way that like people don't necessarily like them. And I'm like, it's not worth making someone's day bad like, someone else on my teams to, like, forward some project. Like, there is a nice way to do it. So I think I'm very kind to, like, my engineers, my designers, my analytics team have a lot of empathy for them. So that just, like, creates a very happy environment, like, around me. Yeah. um, Where, like, people feel like there's positivity because I'm always uplifting everyone. Right. Um, And I think that just, like, is something that people remember. And, like, no matter if the project delivers, you know, what the results are, it's, like, I had a great time with that experience and I had a
0: great time with Nikki. So I think it's, like, just really being kind to people. And how can you be kind but make sure that you're taking care of yourself, meaning, uh, like, what is your perspective on boundaries? Mm. Yeah. Because I I love that you said that. I find it really empowering. And also – and, and of course, disagree if if you have a different perspective. I think sometimes people take advantage of the kind people. Do you disagree or agree? No, I, I
1: completely agree. It's like – it's,
0: it's very it, – it's easy to take advantage of a kind person. So how do you protect yourself? Because it sounds also that you're a person that knows how to protect yourself. So I'm curious what that is.
1: Yeah. Um, I think l- – let me answer this maybe in a context of friends and okay. not necessarily
0: like work. Because okay. I think
1: at work – Okay, actually, I can answer them both. At work, sometimes I'll just – if I feel like people are just taking my time up by putting me on my calendar, I will simply just decline them. And I'll just say, like, let me know if something – like, if you need anything from me, otherwise let's connect, you know, offline. Right. Um, so I try to protect my time by not having too many meetings. Right. So that's one way I do it. But with friends, like, let's say there's a friend who I'm just not enjoying their presence. And m- maybe it's in real life, but a lot of it is on social media. Yeah. Like, you don't enjoy their presence. Yeah. I'm really quick to mute someone. Um, Like, I don't want to see, like, nothing against you, but I don't want to see what's going on in your life, maybe because of some insecurity of my own. Like, I'm really jealous that you have this job or that you're going on this this vacation or whatever. I'll just mute them. Like, there's no need to see that and put that negativity in my own life. Yeah. So that's kind of a way I create boundaries is I just, like, out of sight, out of mind, I'll just block it
0: out. I like it. And is there anything, like, let's say at work somebody's asking you for too much? You know, Mm -hmm. people will keep asking as much as we'll give. I know. (laughs) How do you put a limit on it? Like, I know one thing I did in the past. What was it? It was like, it was saying, oh, I remember what it was. It was saying, I can do that just note that that other thing you asked for then won't get done. Is that okay with you? Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no never <gasps> mind. So that's one thing I used to do. That's, that's
1: <laughs> such a great way. It's like you basically say, hey, I have a you know mental priority cue. And if you want to put this at the top, these other things will get bounced down. I, yeah. There's like this amazing meme I just saw, which is like a person is like drowning in the water. And it's, like, me, my manager, and then the person is, like, the manager says, it'll be a good – like, they're reaching out for help, and then they high-five them and say, it'll be a good learning experience, and then they continue drowning. Stop!
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so relatable.
1: (laughs) So relatable. They always – they frame it as, it'll be a great learning experience. You're like, I don't want to do this. Yes. So how do I set boundaries there? I'm very quick. So what I'll do is I will do maybe, like, 20% of the project, and I'll give them kind of, like, a sound bite or or a little, like – sneak preview of, like, this is what the project will result in. Right. Do you want – like, is this the direction you want to go in? If yes, like, okay, then it's going to be a lot more time. If no, then, like, we already know this is not worth doing. Let's yeah. move on. So I think I will quickly spin up something to show them, like, hey, I've thought about this. This is how I would approach it. And then, then I would
0: demonstrate that this is going to take a long time. So shall we keep going or shall we scale back? I just love that your basis of everything that you do is to be kind. And you also, as I mentioned before, come off to me as someone who – And again, I don't know you, so maybe I'm totally wrong, but you don't come off to me as someone who will like, like willingly completely deplete themselves in order to be kind. Yeah. Am I right about that? Yeah, I definitely. So I'm like, how does she do that? How is she kind, but not depleted? (laughs) (laughs) I think I, I I think
1: I've always been just, I have very close friends, few, but close friends. So like we have such an understanding with each other that in, in a sense that, no, we don't feel like we need to deplete each other because we know each other's boundaries. So one thing is I just keep few but close friends. Mm. Second is like, how, how else do I – I'm trying to think of different different tactics.
0: Because I'm very kind yeah. and depleted. Yeah. And what happens is, and what's so much better about your approach when you're very kind, but you deplete yourself for several years, at least in my case, I've become resentful. Yeah. And then I lose compassion and empathy, and I'm just, like, this, like, kind of, like, low-level agitation. Yeah. But my core being is loving and kind yeah. and abundant. So by not setting boundaries for several years, then you end up with, like, this kind of, like, mock, which I'm now trying to, like fix in my I don't think it's a very lovely way to be. Yeah. So I really admire that you found this, oh, that other annoying word, balance. Balance. <laughs> but you found this way of being kind and energized. I'm like, oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask, like, let me ask you this. Let's say you have a week and you yeah. have so many social
1: events or, 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 uh, not even, or work events yeah. that week. And at yeah. the end of the week, you're like, oh, wow, I'm so tired. Like, I don't want to repeat that again. Do you then repeat it again the next week, or do
0: you like take that lesson and just like say no to things? Then me a year ago or more or something that like, I would just do it again. Me yeah. now, I'm I'm in a very like I'm I I, I was telling a friend I'm in the season of no. Just <laughs> everyone gets no now. I know. <laughs> so it's kind of like I'm I'm extreme. I'm it's like yes to everything or no to everything, and but I want it. I want to be kind. Like, I i, yeah. I mean, I am kind, yeah. but I, it's like, okay, I'll give you an example. This is really vulnerable, but a lot of people ask me for a lot of things. Yeah. And it, it feels like I have to have a, a, a gate up, um, which is frustrating because it's not kind to have a gate up. Anyway, so my automatic response is, is something not mean, but coldish, because I feel like I have to have this gate up. Like, Instead of just being like, I totally understand why you're asking that. Like, it's just soft and warm and fuzzy. i yeah. like, fuck off. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. I I,
1: I agree because your, your, your patience level has worn so thin yeah. that it's like you just react kind of in like maybe the way you don't want to. Yeah. Because you're just tired. You're just I'm tired. I'm just tired. Yeah. And I, I think like… I just start saying I, – I do, I agree. I start saying no to things. Like, if yeah. I had a week that was exhausting, the next week I will just, like, cancel a ton of plans and I'll say, huh. hey, like, can we do this in two weeks? And then, like, I have found a sweet spot for myself is, like, maybe one or two social events during the week and then, like, maybe two on the weekend. And that's that's all I want to do. Anything more than that, I end the week being, like, unhappy. So, like, I have found, like, almost a number. I can, like – I'm a big numbers person. I anchor myself to, like, almost, like, quotas for myself. I feel like what you're saying is that you prioritize refueling. Yeah, I really do. Like, there's nothing that makes me happier than, like, cooking dinner, listening to a good podcast, like,
0: not speaking to anyone. And I, like, will make sure I have at least three of those a night. or sorry, (sighs) a week. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I usually ask this later in the interview, but I think it's a nice time to ask it now. What is, like, a piece of advice someone – has given you that's helped you accelerate in your career? I feel like since we're talking so much about all this guidance for everybody listening, what's something that guidance that you received?
1: Yeah. So I think my like, to be honest, this wasn't personally said to me. It's just like the the, kind of the mantra of my the person I look up to a lot. The saying is to be brave, not perfect. Mm -hmm. And like, I can't tell you how much that phrase has like guided all my life decisions. Kind of it's self-explanatory, but behind it, what it basically means is like you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the skill sets and you don't have to be perfect. Just like do it. Be brave. Raise your hand. Show up. Like go do something that makes you uncomfortable. That very much led me to quitting my Wall Street job to like be a founder. Very much led me to like learn how to code. Very much led me to like do so many things that I wouldn't have done if I was trying to like be perfect.
0: So I just like,
1: I just show up. I just do it.
0: Be brave, not proud. I love that. I'll use that.
1: Yeah. And it's for women especially because women are the ones who feel like they have to have every qualification on their resume before 100%. signing up for a job. Yeah. When men don't feel the same way. So it's like, it's very geared towards women.
0: Let's go back to your Wall Street life and then pivoting towards tech, except that also in your Wall Street life, that's that was a very unique, powerful Industry for you to be in, yeah. So, and then you go over to another unique parallel. <laughs> like, so first of all, how did you get involved in Wall Street and and stake your claim there?
1: Yeah. So one was like, I just really loved the fast pace of it. I am like maybe you can tell, but like I'm a, quite of a, an impatient person, and I like things I to be fast. I can't tell you were super patient with me. Oh, I'm actually—that's <laughs> so funny. My parents will say I'm the most impatient person there to exist.
0: You guys <laughs> literally—she waited an hour for me. She was patient.
1: <laughs> maybe I need to be like more patient with. Maybe the, you with were my just parents. really kind
0: with me. <laughs> you were prioritizing the
1: kindness. <laughs> I know. I guess. I guess that's the that's the skill that came out. Um but i i just yeah. was so attracted to the world of like a trading floor it's yeah. so fast paced and it's a meritocracy like if you're a good trader you have a number assigned to your name like Nikki made x million whatever yeah. in their commissions yeah. or something i obviously don't get that all that yeah. money but um so then there's like a, there's a number yeah. assigned to your name and like that's the way you can measure kind of performance right. so i love that aspect of it Yeah. and wall street was like it was a very cool environment everyone is wicked smart they're so intense like you feel like you're in a dog pen. Yeah. And that was great for the first year. It, it very much satisfied that itch I had to be there. Right. And then at the end of the day, I was like, I looked at everyone around me. I was like, everyone here is miserable. My boss is miserable. My boss's boss is miserable. Like, what am I working towards yeah. if
0: I don't want to be my boss? This is so funny. It, <laughs> it, it speaks back to our little combo about happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And then… Um, I really kind of bit that entrepreneurial bug. I went to a lot of these, like, random tech meetups and speaker yeah. series. And I was like, the passion that these founders are speaking about for their companies, like, I've never seen that passion with a 10-foot pole right. in Wall Street. Um, so I was like, I have to do that. And there was, like, I mean, that transition was very, very difficult for me because um, I, I had been used to a straight yeah, yeah. path with the, like, to follow the, you know, the path that everyone sets out for you. So... The way I kind of transitioned over was I actually listened to a lot of podcasts. There was, like, two that I loved. One was um, Skim from the Couch, which was, like, it interviewed female founders. This and is th- cool. I don't even know. It Skim from the Couch? Yeah. It's like, you know the Skim? It's like a newsletter. Yeah, I do. So they have a podcast. Oh, cool. They interview female founders. And, like, it's, nice. it's amazing. S- similar to this. Um, and there's another one which is the same. It's the brave, not perfect. It's the founder, Rashmi Sajani. She has a podcast as well. So I oh, that
0: saying, yeah, yeah. The title, brave, not perfect, is a podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, a podcast cool. as well.
1: That's kind of her mantra, and she also converted that into Got a podcast. It. I love to run. I would go on runs, and I would listen to this podcast yeah. about female founders, and I was like, oh wow, like they're they're just like me. Like I I always had this view of a founder as someone who had either had a lot of family money or they were coders or they you know, had some special gift that made them a founder, I was like, no, they all worked consulting, finance, whatever, random jobs, and they just decided to, like, use their set and, and do it. So that was kind of, like, the catalyst for me, right. as I was like, I can do this as well. Um, and I made a bit of a, you know, I mapped it out for myself. I was like, if the company succeeds, you know, great. If the company does not succeed, go, you can get another job, or you can yeah. try another company. So there yeah. was no, like, the worst case scenario wasn't that bad. That's kind of how I how I decided to make the jump.
0: And then you went you went from Wall Street to foundership.
1: Yeah, because like no one would hire me to be
0: honest. Wait, what do you mean? Like, because being a trader, you, yeah.
1: your skill set is so niche. Like, I I was like spent three years on this very specific product. Yeah, um, and I applied to jobs at startups and like yeah. in tech. And they looked, they were like, I don't get it. I don't get how you with this background can fit into our needs. Right. So, like, I did apply to many jobs and, like, just instant rejections. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, looks like I have to go build some skill sets. So I was like, no one will hire me. I'll hire myself. So I was like,
0: I'll just work for myself. So I did that. And at what point did you teach yourself how to code? So
1: I basically from the beginning itself, like, before, as I was quitting, I was like, okay, who's going to build this? Yeah. And it's very expensive to get a coder. Um and I didn't want to have to rely on constantly having to pay them and I and I have like an engineering background so I was like I'll just learn how to code. Um so I took classes online yeah. at like through Udemy and that was a good base. Ooh. Um, and there's like a really amazing iOS bootcamp that I took.
0: And anybody that doesn't know it's U D M Y, it's a really good online school.
1: Yeah. Very good. And the classes are very cheap. It was like 10 bucks for this amazing course. So yeah, so I I learned online and it was still very difficult. Like for the first time ever, I didn't have a professor or a coach or like a coworker who could help me out. Like if I didn't figure it out, it wasn't going to happen. Um, and I and I I struggled a lot learning how to code, but finally, like with anything in life, it just takes time.
0: Yeah, and, and eventually, it
1: and it clicks. And then like I remember the first time I released the app to like the public. Oh my god, it crashed so many times. Like so many people texted me being like. A lineup is not working. And I was like, oh my God. Um so yeah, I had a lot still to learn. Um, but then eventually I figured it all out and I was able to like create a good app that that worked.
0: And to go from studying engineering in school, Mm -hmm. then to leave that behind to go to Wall Street and then bounce back to that. What like what was that initial interest in engineering and what aspect of engineering did you study?
1: So I studied financial engineering, which which did help the transition to Wall Street. Yeah. Um I think like When you're in school, there's really a few paths that everyone does, either consulting, finance, maybe, you know, tech, things like that. So I felt like I was just kind of following the herd into one of the paths. Yeah. And then when I got there, I was like, okay, this is great, but this is definitely not my final life mission.
0: I'm curious, you know, there's so many different perspectives about school now Mm -hmm. from, you know, should we still go to university? Should we, you know, just do online stuff? And you've done both to help you in yeah. your career. Looking back, aside from I guess social experience, was it worth it going to school career wise?
1: Like, like it's not that nothing I learned in school is something that I use now. So that's sad. But I also don't think we have reached the point in society where you can just like not have an undergrad degree and like. No, people will be like, no problem. Come get hired to this company. You think so? We have made so much progress, and probably in ten years, I think that would be a, that would be the case. I feel like most jobs still require an undergraduate degree. Really? Do you not think? Uh, maybe, maybe I'm. Like, I don't out know. Of, maybe I don't I'm know. Out of touch with the, I'm <laughs> mostly founder, so I don't know. Like there are a handful of people that are just like either they quit their undergrad or they just don't even go to to school and they just become a founder and they do really well. But then like. If it doesn't work out, which it doesn't for a huge percent of people, what do you have to fall back on? And like a degree really helps. And I think more than anything, the network you create at that university helps a lot.
0: I think as we're talking about it, what I think is, I'm thinking about the schools that I went to and how much I paid. I think that you shouldn't take on student loans to go to school. Yeah. So definitely get grants, get scholarships, get in-state tuition, whatever it is. Yeah. I think socially, the college experience was something that I – it wasn't easy, but I think it valued – it It gives me layers and different – because if we just jump straight to career, it's kind of like you're missing out from some cool chapters. Agreed, oh, yeah. Um, and you don't even know what you want to do if you just go
1: from high school to like a career.
0: Yeah. And let's say you're really successful, like YouTubers today, making millions of dollars like the money isn't everything. And so uh, it's fine, but still like you are missing out on a a different chapter of your life. Yeah. yeah. And I think some of the things that could be worth it are actually not the education, although the exploration of interest. Yes. Like Mm -hmm. I studied creative writing. That was totally worth it. But I also didn't have student loans and all this stuff. I think networking Mm -hmm. thinking we talked about this before like how you started build your network at Grubhub and probably other areas of your life choosing your school based on the type of people you'd like to meet and your network is I won't say people in my I don't I don't know anyone from college right now but like, but still I think that that could be useful I, I agree and I and I and to the
1: point you mentioned earlier yeah, don't take on all this debt because I feel like just it don't really, take on debt. I really yeah. probably, and I, obviously some people just have to take it on. Yeah. So I'm not saying, you know, don't. I think the allure of going to these very expensive schools is no, like the value you get from that has, is getting lower and lower and lower. Like people from all kinds of schools can get the same top jobs as people who go to like Ivy Leagues. Do you
0: think though that today, if, somebody had the opportunity, but they would have to take a student loan to go to Yale, to Harvard, to Stanford. Mm-hmm. I feel like from a surface level that that would probably still be worth it because that kind of network feels very elite to me. Do you think I'm wrong?
1: Yeah. I I would honestly, I, I'm not sure. Like, anecdotally, everyone I know from those schools has done very well in their life. I would almost have to like look at data and, and yeah. figure out like percent of people who go to them, what like how many percent get like, p- you know, great paying jobs. Yeah. I do feel like if you get into one of those schools, like you really will have a great launching pad for future careers. Yeah. But I think the pressure you put on yourself as a high school student to get to these top schools oh. is no longer that relevant. Like you can go to a state school and still do very well in life.
0: Hmm, yeah... So yeah. interesting, because it, with the whole Y Combinator movement and everything, it's just our, our the tech industry has kind of villainized college and totally, university. Yeah. And here you are, you're like, I learned how to code with Udemy, a $10 class. yeah. And I think there's something extremely valid about that. And to go into hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt when you could take a $10 thing on Udemy, it's yeah. like, let's really break down I know. what we're Eval- going to get out of. Love- yeah. Oh my God, when we like calculated
1: how much cost per minute it was, it was costing us to be at school. It was so depressing. It's crazy. Did, now, did you have
0: student loans or no?
1: I didn't. Like, thankfully, I, you know, I have, pa- I had parents who could afford to, you know, send me directly with that loans. Um, so I'm very thankful for that, but I'm very well aware that not everyone has that situation. And I,
0: and I, neg- I moved and had in-state tuition.
1: Okay, great, great. So
0: yeah. like, I didn't have that either. Yeah, it's really, really. It's tough. It's tough.
1: I think the other thing is like, People, not everyone, but they – I would want more people to be, like, lifelong learners. And I think a lot of people, they will learn in school and then they will learn what they need to on the job, but that's the end of, like, their route to education. And, like – People like I take so many online courses. Like I learn, I learned poker online and like how to code and how to whatever do just because I'm like one is ten dollars. Yeah, and two, like it's just fun to learn. It makes you feel like you have a lot of self worth when you do things that totally. are difficult.
0: Even in high school, I would take extension classes at UCLA. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Did a lot of people do that as well. Or were you kind of rare in that sense?
0: I was rare. I was like 15 or 16 yeah. in a college and course. And who like <laughs> motivated you to even do that? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) It came came from within. I don't even know how I discovered that that existed. That is kind of weird. I just... I was one of those people, in a way I still am, that was really curious about different cultures and ecosystems. Mm-hmm. And I I was the kind of person that was at summer school every single – nobody was telling me to. I just – that's what I – it yeah. was my jam. And so, like, I went to Cal Poly when I was still in high school, went to UCLA still in high school. I, was, I would just find these programs. Yeah. And I was just curious. and I And then I ended up traveling abroad, like, a lot, like, with the different educational programs, like – Super curious. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so now I'm a podcaster, so, so asking questions. Now you're speaking to people all over the world. Super curious still. <laughs>
1: still, we're still super curious. Yeah. When you would like go to these classes with people who are much older than you, would yeah. you feel weird or would you feel like, that's okay, like
0: No, I, I didn't. Like the one thing I did that was really um, interesting is I didn't feel weird. I felt – well, actually, I can't remember, but I don't recall feeling weird. And there's one particular thing that was super weird that I was there, but I – I guess I kind of felt – I've always felt cool being the minority. Mm-hmm. Like I've always felt that it gave me an edge. Yeah. And one thing that is real weird that I was a part of, Um. there's this thing called Writer's Boot Camp in L.A. for scriptwriters. Mm-hmm. And when I was 15 years old, I joined the first Writer's Boot Camp. And – I was the yeah everybody else was I don't know 20s 30s or yeah. probably 30s you know and and then there was me yeah high school and, you <laughs> yeah and this uh, this thing has now been around for several years and to think I was in the first one in this living room with a bunch of grown-ups and then me oh my god like, it's like weird but like I loved it I loved oh. that I was just kind of exploring these different areas of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And like when people grow up in cities, like I'm, I'm guessing you grew up in I LA. I grew up in LA, yeah. You
1: do have access to a lot of these yes. things. So it's like it's amazing that you took advantage of that. Because yeah. like if you grew up in a suburb or whatever, you may not have a community college near you. um, So you don't have as much access, but it's great that, that you – That I
0: even like knew that that existed. But it's true. Like I think that's one of the things that maybe in other places uh, of at least the US that – um. You don't you don't have access to kind of uh, a divi- diversity of opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Like I agree. you have your high school and you have your football and you. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. Uh, I I can't wait like either to be part of the change or to like see the change of having high school like education. Like the, the curriculum be different. Yeah. Because yeah. like the first time I sold anything was when I had to go sell for my startup. And it's like, how come at that age is yes. the first time I sold something? Like why? Sh- I should have been learning yes. how to sell
0: in like high school. Yes. Not like the Ottoman Empire. yeah you know, history. 100%. Um, There's so many. Pretty much school doesn't teach us life skills.
1: It doesn't. At all.
0: In any school. Yeah. Elementary, middle, high school, college. Even, even like conflict resolution. Yep. Like, that is
1: something that we should teach the people. The closest
0: you would get is debate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I wish I did debate. I didn't even do that. Yeah. But that could have been potentially helpful.
0: Another thing when it comes to – this is such an interesting, but, like, uh, not off track, just I, I really like this conversation, improv classes. Mm. I think improv is something that should be in schools. I took improv, and I don't desire to be a comedian or anything like that, I, as a way to more effectively learn how to communicate and be a speaker. Yes. Improv is a great educational tool. Even that they have this thing in improv called Yes And. Mm-hmm. And I intentionally do my best to not – when I'm writing messages, at least not use the word but. I – do my best to use the word "and." Yes, yeah, so with expensive. Yeah, yeah. It's it's more. It's warmer. Agreed. Agreed. And you could say the same thing in a warmer way. I know. It's all back to our original <laughs> comment. How do you be kind but also shut the boundaries? I want to break up with you, <laughs> and, and you're a really amazing person. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's very useful in all of life scenarios. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. Okay. So you studied financial engineering, ended up in Wall Street discovered, um, through, uh, through these podcasts you were listening to and also this proactive curiosity. Yeah. And you also taught yourself how to code utilizing Udemy. And then where did we go from there in your journey?
1: Yeah. So, okay. So I'll give you a quick background on what I even built. So it was an app called lineup and I, you know, I had moved to New York city. I was like, let's go to, I was going out to like bars and clubs. And where did you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. So I've been like a tri-state area person my whole life, which is why I'm very happy to be in LA. (laughs) But anyway, so I was – it was in New York City. I was young. I was like going out to all these bars and clubs. And there would be these long lines everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, if I had known that there would be a long line here, we could have gone elsewhere. Yeah. And I'm like – like I said, I'm very impatient. I hated waiting in lines. So I was like – the same way that Waze tells you what the traffic is places by crowdsourcing it. I was like, I'm going to build this for – for, lo- for lines, basically. Right, right. And, like, I lived in New York City, one of the most crowded places in the world where there's lines everywhere. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to build an app that tells you in real time how long the line is places. Love. And, like, everyone was like, the great idea. Nikki's going to yeah. save our, you know, Friday night experience. Uh, so I was super excited to build something that yeah. I would use, my friends would use, and that was kind of the idea behind yeah. it. Many, many uh, fatal flaws with the app. One being, like, how do I collect this data? <laughs> so, like... Uh, <laughs> I was like, I I thought of a bunch of different options, but I ended up going with like crowdsourcing it so people would put in how long they waited in line. But no one really put in any information. So I just ran around every Friday and Saturday night from like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. putting in wait times. Like I was like sober. Like this was work for me. And I was just running around New York City, like, taking a city bike to go from yeah, neighborhood yeah. to neighborhood to put in wait times so that my app would have data. Yeah. And then, that was like, at one point, I was like, this is not sustainable. It's like, like this- real-life founder stuff. <laughs> exactly. It's like, this won't scale. Um, my favorite thing is, like, how I would get people to download this app. Yeah. So I would, like, get all my friends to come out with me, and I would, like, have them go stand in lines and be like, this line is so long. Like, if <laughs> there was an app to tell me, Stop. like... <laughs> And then it would get everyone to download the app. Um, but yeah, so that was really fun in terms of that experience. Yeah. And I loved building it. But to be honest, like at the end of the day, I wasn't getting data in the app. Like the bars and the clubs, they didn't want me to exist because they were like, stop telling people how long the line is. Yeah. So I didn't really have a revenue stream. Yeah. And then most importantly, when COVID hit, there was no lines anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the end of lineup. I, I pivoted to grocery stores and Trader like Trader yeah, Joe's. Did, and you, COVID, yeah. did you? Sorry,
0: did you use your education from the Udemy coding course in order to build the app? Correct, correct. So cool. It was it was amazing. Yeah, everything I learned there was what I used to build this app. And then you tried pivoting to grocery stores, but it just grocery yeah. stores and COVID
1: testing centers because they had long lines yeah. now in COVID. But still, the same problem. Yeah. I couldn't get the data. Yeah, so that was kind of the. And then after lineup. So after lineup, so. One thing that I did – and I actually – to be honest, I omit this part of the story sometimes because to our earlier point, it's no longer like – I don't feel much pride, but I went to business school. Right. So um, my mom, when I quit my job to do lineup, she was like, Nikki, you have to apply to business school because, like, I need you to have a backup plan. Totally. I was like, Okay. So, I applied to a few, I applied to only three business schools that were all, like, very entrepreneurial focused. Yeah. So, thankfully, like, I got into one. It was also, it was, like, a school that was one-year program, very entrepreneurial focused. Yeah. And that was perfect because, like, I actually got, like, a full scholarship there. So, it didn't cost me anything. And I was able to ride out the pandemic Love. While, while doing school. Amazing. Um, So, that worked out well. Yeah. So, I did that. And then that really, like, once I had finished that, I was like, I want to be a product manager. Like, that's what I think yeah. I would excel at. And then I worked for Grubhub.
0: And and then how did
1: you find Grubhub? Remind me. Um, so yeah, so like the business school I went to, one of the alumni she worked for Grubhub, so look I was at able that. to
0: relationships <laughs> exactly. See, and then that that's part of the the perk in being part of these communities. Exactly, it is the perk. It's like very clearly,
1: I got this job
0: because I was an alumni of this school. Interesting. That's so interesting. And then what have what's your day to day look like at, at ShopStyle? your Style? Yeah,
1: yeah. So. Um, it's basically kind of creating features. So let me give an example. Like we are a shopping site. So you go to us and there's tons of different, you know, sweaters, jeans, et cetera. So let's say um, what, what is something that we built recently? We People want to be able to find the lowest price for an item. So yeah. let's say you're searching for like a, uh, we, have, we have a lot of luxury shoppers on our site. So I'll use the example of like a particular Gucci handbag. Right. Um, now, when you go to our site you want to be able to find the lowest price for it. Right. So like I'm trying to think, how can I f- help people find the lowest price for this particular item in the best way that shows them shipping policy, return policy, sale alerts, things like that. So I'm like creating different features and components to this website that like makes it easier for the user. So There's a lot of talking to customers, figuring out their pain points, working with design to iterate and create like versions that will solve this problem, working with engineers to build it, then testing it, and then figuring out if we launch it or not. Yeah. What's your favorite part of that process? I think I love the ideation aspect of it. It's like you get to like almost sit with a blank piece of paper, and you're like, "I have this problem. I have like, let me just think big and small of ways yeah. to solve it." Um, and then like, I have thankfully very talented design and engineer team so like. I feel like pretty confident it'll get built. Um, so it's just like that
0: initial sitting with that blank piece of paper. What is what is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome in your career, and how did you overcome it?
1: Mm, I think definitely learning to code was like a big yeah. one because um, like otherwise this app might not have gotten off the ground, and I've been wait. I would have been waiting and waiting for a co-founder. So I think just like taking things into your own hands is a big lesson that I've learned of o- how to overcome obstacles. Um, but the other things like. There is like a you know there's certain jobs that I've that I have really wanted or things that are like have been not kind of knocked down from things and I think it's just like you'll get knocked down like a hundred times. You just have to keep getting up because like X, Y, Z person just does, doesn't define your worth. And like a rejection from this company or this club or whatever doesn't define your worth. Like there's there's more clubs and there's more people like just keep getting back up.
0: Totally. And yeah. one of the things that I'm trying to teach myself right now, which is hard, is not everybody needs to like you. Yeah. that's That's a really hard one. It's so hard because we're all likable to someone.
1: I know. It's like, Why don't you –
0: yeah, it's really hard pill to swallow when you think someone doesn't like you because you're like, I can make this better. I can make them like me. But it's like,
1: do I – should I waste that time?
0: Because we all have different personalities. So some – Somebody may be really gregarious and and that and that attracts a lot of people. To their personality and someone else is really quiet and that attracts people. To their personality and so to be someone that a hundred percent of people and then some people are douchebag assholes. So what do you care if they like you or not? Yeah. So like I know I almost yeah.
1: have heard the saying that like if everyone likes you, you're doing something wrong. Because like yeah. you're not
0: pushing back enough for something. I don't know if I agree with that, but that's yeah. definitely a mindset that some people have. I've heard that too. Like I've heard that if there's no – um like something like no controversy in what you're talking about, then the blah. Yeah, your you viewpoint know, is not strong yeah, enough yeah, or something. Yeah, but I just think it's – I think it's important to remember – not, at least for me, that not everybody needs to like me so that I could better like myself and stand true to who I am rather than trying to adapt to what every single person wants me to be.
1: Yeah. I think I, like, thankfully, and I don't know when this happened, but, like, I don't really seek others' approval because Ooh. it's just not something that I need. Like, I'm very um, happy with how I've cr- crafted my life. Yeah. Um. And it's by doing hard things. It's, like, by signing up to run a marathon. It's, yeah. like, by, um, you know, creating apps and yeah, by yeah. learning new skills, et cetera. So, like, a lot of my self-worth comes from confidence that I've done hard things. I love that. So, like, I, I don't know when this shift happened because I'm sure there is many times in, the college where I was really seeking everyone's approval. But, like... It doesn't. I'm like, who cares? <laughs>
0: I love that. Last question. Yeah, I'm a software mobile app nerd. Like, yeah. I like all the different things. What is a like must-have that you love, like mobile app or website that you go to a lot, or mobile app that you're like, oh, it's so good? oh
1: uh, like, I really love Canva. Yes, Canva has like just really it's made my life so much easier i make a lot of marketing content for like my various apps that i have and i and i'm not like a designer and I don't, or a marketing person. Yeah. So like that just makes my life so much easier. Like you could just, it's templates for everything and it really looks like you put a lot of work into it. Yes. Um,
0: That's a great rack. Yeah. So yeah. Canva
1: is super, it's, there's a lot, there's a pre, it's a freemium thing, but a huge portion of it is free. And yeah. so I recommend people use that for anything. Yeah.
0: Canva is amazing. And if you're looking to create a podcast, Canva has free podcast cover art templates. Oh, oh so. wow.
1: There's that too. Oh, amazing. Um, wait, before we wrap up, there's one more yes. thing that I wanted to kind Please. of talk about, yeah. which is that um, so here in LA, kind of when I when I moved here, I was trying to get involved with the tech scene. Yeah. And one thing that I have in New York City that was so powerful for me was I had a running club called Pitch and Run. Yeah. Um, and it was essentially just like a really organic way to make friends in the tech industry. Yeah. So it brought together founders and investors. Like Love. it's called pitch and run, because like the idea was you pitch your startup as you run, but that doesn't really happen. You just talk about life. Um, so I brought that to LA. Um, so we have. <gasps> cool. So I started pitch and run LA here, which is every Friday morning. So that's like just a because. W- At the end of the day, I think that consistency over time is what builds friendships, like not just like random networking events. Agree. So it's like you just run with them over time. And then when that opportunity comes, that person connects you to something. So it's like you build a really good base with people. So I love this. If anyone likes to run or walk or whatever, please come to like Pitch and Run. I think that's a great organic way to like make
0: friends. Wait, so did you say there's a Pitch and Run in New York as well? Yeah, so that's where it started. How many Pitch and Runs are there? Like, how many cities? So, actually, in the last month – so, before –
1: one month ago, it was just New York City. And then in the last month, we expanded to L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, and – I want to say Austin. Wait, Austins? are they
0: all yours?
1: They're not mine, no.
0: No, uh, so you run the chapter I of LA. I run the LA chapter. Yeah, like yeah. there's these amazing people
1: in New York City who started the New York City one. And then we've all, like some of us from New York City have moved. So like yeah. I moved to LA, someone else moved to Chicago, someone yeah. to SF. So they've started chapters there. Is it pitchandrun.com? There's no website. It's oh. like only through Twitter or Instagram. Um, so it's How like, do people find out? It's like pitch and run NYC is the – Instagram handle for New York City. Pitch and Run LA is for LA. So just go to Instagram.
0: Yeah. Instagram or Twitter. Or Twitter. Pitch and Run LA. Yeah. Or Pitch and Run NYC. Yeah. Or And I'm sure through those accounts, if you're in a different city, you could see figure yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. But cool. it's really nice. It's just That's a very so sweet cool. way to like make friends. <laughs> Favorite restaurant in LA?
1: Mm. This is a difficult one. they all really good, but I really like Squirrel, which is in Silver Lake. Squirrel? Yeah. What S- do they serve? S-Q-I-R-L. It's like, they just serve kind of breakfast and brunch type options, but there's this like crispy rice bowl, which is so refreshing, filled with like tons of herbs. And I just, uh, I can I can have that every single day.
0: Squirrel. Squirrel. Okay, cool. Very good. Can't go wrong. And what is a must-do activity? Ooh, must-do activity. Like it could be a hike, it could be a
1: museum, it could be anything. Okay. So like- People have been visiting me a lot and I've been taking them on the same itinerary, which oh. is to do like a hike at Griffith Park. So I live really close to that. So you must go at sunsets; like time it so that you're there for sunset. It's incredibly beautiful. And I weirdly really love Glendale. Like uh, <laughs> the Americana is just like such a fun shopping mall with like Din Tai Fung, Phil's Coffee. There's, like, this Amazon style store, which I love. It's, like, this weird IRL shopping experience. Um, so I, I love going there and just, like, kind of awesome. soaking in the L.A. vibes. <laughs>
0: but is that what you normally do with it? everybody comes in? You take them to Griffith and then you take them to Americana? Yeah. Anything
1: else? I do. Um, what other things do I do with them?
0: I go to like this happy hour spot called the Buena
1: Planta, and it's De like the Buena Plant. How do you say it? The Buena Planta.
0: De, oh, like the good plant. Yeah, okay. it's like
1: eight dollars for these amazing cocktails. Stop. And it like feels like you're in Tulum. Like it's a, what? I, I, don't I, I, sh- go I shouldn't there. be
0: saying this as a secret. Now I've, <laughs> I've spilled the beans. The Buena Planta is where I'm going tonight. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. That's that's oh, that's that's a low key <laughs> awesome. I'm like yes, yeah, so yes. So it's like the Buena Planta, then Griffith, and then like Amazon style store. <laughs> amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm so going there. If somebody were to land in LA for the tech community, what would you suggest they do to get plugged in?
1: Mm. I would okay. say follow you. <laughs> I actually like, when, wow. I, when I came to LA, Stop. I like was like, have to get plugged in. And I came across your LinkedIn post where you kind of tagged a bunch of people. Wasn't that
0: so helpful, that one? It was. And
1: I went to the combinatorics event from that. (gasps) Stop. And I went to like one other event and I met a few people. Um, So I would say, follow you and like kind of just get yourself on the newsletters and the list of a bunch of events. Who is an LA tech company or person you've come across lately who's really impressed you? His name is Darius Fong. He runs Tech Club. And he's just like the most selfless person I've met there's like there's a certain fellowship that's part of his program and he hosted a gala maybe 2 months ago where he just invited creators, entrepreneurs, doers, like activists and it was just such a heartwarming well thought out program and I just think he has the most purest atten- intentions and like we need we need more of him. <laughs> so I really like him. Uh, and how
0: do we connect with him? Like where do we find
1: him? So Darius is at T H E P R E F C T I don't know why that's his handle. I'm sure there's some story story there.
0: uh, And we'll include it in the show notes as well. What's a a strong LA Tech resource um, that you recommend? Like, is there an accelerator? Or I know we talked about Udemy to get educated for coding. Does anything come to mind to you? Maybe an event that you went to that was really uh, a must-attend event.
1: I think, like, events-wise, they feel a little bit one-off to me. Like, there are some, like, monthly coffee meetups and, like, um, happy hours. So I I would say I've been to a few of those, but it's it's a little bit like they feel like dots as opposed to a line. Right. So I'm, like, trying to find a way to connect everything. I wish there was, like, maybe some type of incubator. Like, there's something called Founder House that I went to, but it, I think it stopped. Okay, so a good – sorry, it's not a great answer, but – No, uh, it's okay. <laughs> a good resource, I would say – is maybe just online, honestly, at this point, is like following people on Twitter or like Saturday app, which like um, we are LA Tech uses and like connecting with yeah. people there and then maybe meeting up in, for coffee and then inviting others to come as well.
0: And it's we are LA Tech. chat If you want to join the Saturday app, we are LA Tech group. How did you find it? I don't remember.
1: Same. Did uh, I th- send th- it th- to th- you? Or? No, all through stalking you on LinkedIn, honestly. <laughs> oh, you found the... the I ch- found the chat. Yeah. When I moved here and then Because it was on the Saturday app, to be honest, I was like, I don't want to download another app. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, fine. I'll just download this app. Did it help? Yeah, it helped. Oh, good. Then I – there was – there's so many people in that chat, and I feel like a few people like messaged me afterwards. Oh, nice. It was good.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Yay. I like the things that I build to be useful. (laughs) That's the (laughs) best feeling in the world. Someone is using it. Totally. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech
1: podcast. Thank you for having me. I had a wonderful time. You are a wonderful podcast host and Aww. looking forward to more, you know, IRL connections and also through online. Oh, <laughs> thank you so
0: much. How can
1: people connect with you? The best place to connect with me is probably on Twitter at Nikki underscore Agarwal 4 So it's N-I-K-I underscore A-G-R-A-W-A-L-4 also LinkedIn, and then you can come to one of the pitch and
0: run runs as well. And I'll, I'll be there in real life. To connect and collaborate with more amazing people in the Los Angeles tech community, be sure to go to wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social at wearelatech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I'll see you talk to you all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, this is Nikki Agarwal,
1: product manager at ShopStyle, which is a fashion engine for all of your shopping needs, based in Silver Lake, and you are listening to We Are LA Tech.